Empire. Some major shakers are trying to get the kids to become movers again. There's a huge amount of aggravation and irritation and annoyance that goes into planning a practice. You get materials that aren't that great, uh, that are PDFs from sort of the 1990s or the 2000s with X's and O's on them that don't make any sense. That's Ben Sherwood, former co-chairman of the Disney ABC Networks, who has turned his attention to youth sports in a forward-thinking modern app called Mojo. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Ben Sherwood oversaw some of the biggest entities in entertainment as part of the Walt Disney Company. As you'll learn here, connection to his kids through sports was one of the main reasons he and his Mojo co-founder, Reed Schaffner, decided to build the app that isn't just aimed to get kids playing again, but help their parents be all they can be as coaches. Our guests this week are widely established titans of the media industry. The former co-chairman of the Disney Media Networks, Ben Sherwood, and Reed Schaffner, who has done a ton in the gaming industry alongside stops at Microsoft. He was part of the brains behind the wildly popular Words With Friends. And they have combined to help create Mojo, which is trying to reinvent youth sports through an app that is a coach-in-a-box resource for parent coaches in a pandemic and in a new world. Thank you both for being here. Thank you for having us. Ben, I want to start with you. Um, why youth sports? What is interesting about it to you? What's interesting about it, Bram, is that I've had the best time over the last 12 years coaching my two sons on the fields and courts of New York and Los Angeles as we've moved back and forth for work. And nothing, no, no greater highs and no lower lows than the experience of being with them. They were transformed by youth sports, and our family was transformed. My wife and I on the sidelines, coaching, managing. And when I left the Walt Disney Company, I wanted to keep get involved and find a way to help fix some of the problems that we all know or exist in youth sports. Uh, we know that too many families get burned out, forced out, or priced out, and we know that those problems have gotten worse in the pandemic. And our goal was to, and is with Mojo, to bring some of the magic back to youth sports for families across the country and across the world. And Reed, for you, what is it about youth sports that drew you to this? Uh, I mean, so much. Uh, growing up, it was a huge part of my family's life. Uh, I think probably given my age, I'm one of the few people that had both my dad and my mom as coaches growing up. My mom started her own soccer club. We got so into it. Uh, my parents bought an RV to drive my brother and I to soccer tournaments. Uh, it was it was. You know, it was a huge part of our life, and uh, I've coached kids. Uh, I can't say I'm very good at it, so I certainly feel the need for the product. And then the last bit is now I have a I have a 20 month old son myself, Theo. And so when Ben and I met, uh, my wife was eight months pregnant. I think everyone knows it's a great idea to start a company when your wife is eight months <laughs> pregnant. Um, but you know, look, when Ben said it's a youth sports company, uh, I, I hope I, one day I will coach Theo's teams, assuming that I haven't been banned from coaching kids because I'm so bad by then. Uh, but I will coach Theo 
Uh, and, you know, the idea that every day I get to come into work and build a product focused on sports, but not just sports, making sports more fun for kids and hopefully something I can use one day with my, my own son, that's, that's something that, that is really easy to wake up and come to work on every day. So I have an 11-year-old. I have an 8-year-old. Um, so I'm in this space, too. My son plays youth sports. My daughter, we've tried. She's more in the but we've tried um, with her. And, and I have seen, and I think, Ben, you're kind of alluding to this, really, in coaching it and probably having played it as a child yourself, that it is fundamentally different um, than the way maybe we were accustomed to. Um, how did you see the differences, and what did you try to solve with building Mojo? I think when I, when I grew up, Reed and I are at the opposite ends. Reed was an elite athlete in Florida and in the Olympic development program and star soccer player. I was the kid who tried to disappear on any field. I, I could not hide fast enough on a soccer field or a little league field. In fact, I used to hide my shin guards hoping that Mr. Franklin would not put me in, but he always brought in an extra pair because he knew that I was going to try to hide my shin guards. What, what I know from my time coaching and from friends is that there's a huge amount of aggravation and irritation and annoyance that goes into planning a practice. You get materials that aren't that great, uh, that are PDFs from sort of the 1990s or the 2000s with X's and O's on them that don't make any sense. You go to YouTube to try to find material and you can't find stuff that's appropriate for a four-year-old or a six-year-old or an eight-year-old because everything either seems too sophisticated or you can't tell the quality of it or you're not sure, not sure if it's developmentally appropriate. And so what, we, what we're trying to do with Mojo is we're trying to take the hassle and the frustration and the irritation out. We try to save you time up front. Reed will explain the specifics, but we try to, try to take all the hassle out by putting everything into one place. All the videos to watch that are short, high quality, produced by Emmy award-winning team from Mandalay Sports Media, the folks who brought you The Last Dance about Michael Jordan. Uh, we've got great content and articles from top experts on the whole youth sports journey. It's all in one app, app. It's all in the palm of your hand. And so basically we save you half an hour to an hour per practice of scrambling, trying to figure it out, and the stress that comes with, oh, no, what am I going to do? I just got off work, got five minutes to get to the field. I have no idea what I'm going to do with my kids. We've got you covered. We will plan your whole season for you practice by practice and take you through on that journey. And then when you get onto the field or the court, we're going we're gonna to make an experience for you that's going to be more fun than you've ever had because we've got proven activities and ideas for what to do with your time on the field or on the court. We've got proven, proven stuff that's going to really make a difference. And so we save you time on the front end, and we give you a better experience in the sport. And, and our view is that if we can do that, we're going to get more moms and dads to do this. We're going to get more moms and dads to stick with it. We're going to have kids have more fun. And also, we're going to take the intimidation out of it because there are a whole lot of parents who would love to do it, but it's just plain intimidating coaching a bunch of kids. So that's sort of our approach. That's how we think about it. Reed, how, how are you kind of viewing it? Well, I mean, I, I think you asked, like, youth sports is different today, and there's certainly been the movement to, you, you, everyone reads a lot about the professionalization of youth sports. Uh, and, and certainly, I think, for me, moving to California, and I, I, meant, I was talking about this earlier today, I run early in the mornings. I run at 6 a.m., and I run by a soccer field a mile from our house, and there's, you know, 12 kids under the age of 10 out there with private coaches. That's, that's not our app. We are focused on the parent coach, which in the segment we're focused on 13 and under. It's easy to forget because you see that. In that segment, still 80% of those coaches are volunteer parents. Um, and I think the way we're thinking about it is 
those volunteer parents still need the same help. It turns out it's still really, really hard to coach kids, right? If you're coaching five-year-olds, it's really hard to keep their attention. Uh, even if you play, it is still really hard to remember what five-year-olds are capable of and what they find fun and what you should teach them. And I think I think the way that, that I think about it is very similar to Ben is, is we want that parent coach to feel like they're going to be successful and make it simpler than it's ever been. And when we say that parent coach, uh, we, we mean anyone who wants to coach. Like there, there are people who love sports, who have dreamed from the second that they had their kid that they were going to be the coach. And then I think there are a lot of parents that wish that they could have this experience um, but are intimidated by it. Maybe they didn't play. Uh, or maybe, like, let's say that Theo decided to play ice hockey. I'd be host. Turns out growing up in Florida, you don't learn a lot about ice hockey, but I would still want to coach him. And I think we also want to empower parents who want this experience but have been intimidated. We want to give them the tools. We want to make it so easy that any parent can can have this magical journey with their kids and that they keep doing it. Um, because I think the other challenge is a lot of times as parents, we sign up to do it and we have memories of a kid. You don't, you don't realize how hard it is until you do it for a season and you're like, I'm done. And we want parents to stick with it because if parents stick with it, kids will stick with it, their experiences. And, and then, so I, I think about it as how do I make it so simple for every parent in this age range to go out and provide all of the kids with a wonderful experience. Uh, one, more quick, one more quick thing, Graham. The youth sports has really changed in one other big dimension, which is that when we were growing up, there was much more equality in youth sports. Everybody played. There were rec programs. There was easy access. It didn't cost a fortune. And now youth sports has really been divided between haves and have-nots. If you come from families with money, two-thirds of the kids from families with money are playing all the way through high school. If you come from a family without any money, only about a third are playing sports. That's been that's really a problem that has been has grown in the last decade and has really been compounded by the by the pandemic. And so money has really changed things. And what we are really focused on uh, Mojo is free to use uh, for the soccer app uh, for for our first sport soccer, and there is a premium tier, what we call Mojo Plus, uh, for nineteen ninety nine a season, which unlocks some new features and unlocks some additional content. But our view is that everybody should be able to use this, and you can coach a whole season of soccer um, with the Mojo app, uh, one practice a week. We got you covered, and um, we also are distributing this through. An organization called Coaching Corps, which is a wonderful nonprofit with 10,000 volunteer coaches across the country in low-income areas, because we think that uh, we're trying to help level the playing field at Mojo. We want everyone to have access to great coaching. You both have unique skill sets in terms of engagement, too, through what your career backgrounds are. So, um, Reed, I want to start with you. Um, knowing what you've built in apps and games, as you kind of view coaching and engagement with kids, how do you kind of view youth sports through either a gamification model, a digital model? How does that all kind of intertwine with what's going to happen on a field? Uh, I, think, I think it's a fantastic question. I think when you say like, how do you think about engagement and gamification and youth sports, I want to put this in two very different buckets. There's the parent and there is the kid. Uh, I think when it comes to the kid, uh, it's a real challenge. Like the, the average kid in the, let's call it the tweens age group, is spending somewhere around four hours a day on a screen, not including what they're doing for school. Uh, and I think, you know, in reality, a lot of that screen time is going to things like Fortnite and uh, maybe, maybe we're just friends, although probably not, or League of Legends. 
And it's really, really difficult to compete with those systems and those games. Um, and I think, you know, frankly, like when you think about getting kids to engage with sport in the home, that's, that's what you're competing against, right? You're competing against these things that are incredibly fun to play uh, in a digital environment, particularly coming out of the pandemic where a lot of kids couldn't get outside. And so I think one thing we think about is like, that's the bar for what the experience has to be like. But I think one of the reasons we're starting with parents um, is because we do believe that parents want their kids to be more active. They want them to get out and play. And so how do we, how do we make them successful? And I, and I think the way we think about it coming from gaming is that sports are inherently community-based. They're inherently viral. Like you, you, Graham, mentioned you have kids that are 8 and 11. I'm going to take a guess here live on the podcast, but I'm assuming that you might be friends uh, with a lot of the parents on your kids' teams. Uh, they might have become your kids' friends that are coming over for sleepovers. Uh, that is the, when you have that behavior happening in the real world, it provides an incredibly sticky, engaging community that you can leverage in the digital world. And so I think we, you know, as we think ahead, as we build our roadmap, we want features that allow your, your, your kids to play together uh, with their friends in those apps. We want the parents uh, to be able to easily communicate. We want the kids to be able to easily communicate with the coach. And so I think anytime you have a world like youth sports, where you have these incredibly small, incredibly tight knit communities, uh, like each team being like its own little, uh, its own little tribe, then you can build incredible software on top of that to, to leverage that behavior. And Ben, in your experience, um, you have worked in programming for a long time that is aimed at keeping the attention of children. As you kind of think back on on that experience, and I know that it was much more broad than that with Disney and ABC, but for the Disney Network experience that you had, as you kind of think about the modern kid, how do you engage with them? So we are so, Bram. It's a it's a it's a daunting challenge, given what Reed just described with kids and how kids have so many distractions, and the four to five hours a day that they're spending on screens. What we have purposely done with Mojo is we have made the bullseye the mom or the dad who wants to coach. And we think that we can get their attention because they already have put their hand up. They want to be involved in their kid's life. They want to spend more time with their kids. They want to be out there on the field. That's our bullseye. So we're not even trying to get the attention of the kid yet. We're just trying to get the attention of the parent who is highly motivated. Mm. That bullseye, we know how to reach them. We know how to talk to them. We know how to show them how to have a great time. We know how to show them age-appropriate activities for their for soccer. We know, how to, we know how to tell those stories in short-form content. We know how to write the articles for them that answer the questions and anticipate every step on the journey. So we know how to do that. The next step, sort of the next ring in our, in our, bullseye, in our, in our target, right, the ring around the bullseye is the parent, as Reed just described. That's that viral community of moms and dads by the coach. You know, if the coach says, I want you all to download Mojo because this team is going to use Mojo this year and, and, and Mojo's got all this information and these practices and tools to help you, help you and your kid get better. And I'm going to be telling you between practices, I want you guys to watch this video and spend some time with your kid. We know that the moms and dads who are motivated to be better parents in that regard and are competitive in that regard will want to get their kids off the screen for one more hour a week and go outside and do one fun thing that Mojo yeah. can recommend. So that's the, that's the second ring. The third, the, the next ring out would be the kids. And that's hard. That's a, that's a war. And we sort of feel like, <laughs> like if, we can, if we can succeed with the bullseye, the parent, and the moms and dads around that, that coach, 
then we will have built the community that we want. And then if we can then layer in something for the kids, sort of fun stuff for kids to watch with their parents, like the crazy, you know, top 10 plays of youth athletes around the country and around the world who are using Mojo and other cool stories about kids doing amazing things in sports. Then we will have the bullseye, the first ring and the second ring. And that's going to, that'll take us some time, but we think that that that's what families want. That's what families want to do together. They want to, want to they want to have fun with sports and they also want to watch fun sports stuff together you know it's funny it's like I'm, i hear my parents in me when you mentioned Fortnite, um reed and my son plays a lot of it and especially in the pandemic and being locked up and not being able to go to school there's been a lot of downtime and and there is a lot of screen time that's happening and i hear my parents yelling at me stop watching television or stop playing with the computer or whatever it was and I can't decide where we are in society at this point. Is it that bad of a thing if that's the reality of being on it? And we're talking about youth sports in a new forum, which is it is digital. Like it's not just outside, but there is a digital aspect to it. It's it's a really we're, we're in an interesting time and conundrum, really, with screen time, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I yeah. Further complicating is the fact that your kid could go professional in Fortnite and, you know, make more <laughs> money than any of us. So, uh, like, when he looks at you and says, but, Dad, uh, I'm going to go pro, uh, look, I, I think that it's a tough time, and the pandemic has made it worse. Um, there is some data out of the Aspen Institute that suggests that of kids that have stopped playing, 20% of them will not return to the field or the court when they when this is all over. Uh, which is scary because regardless of what kids should be doing, even before the pandemic, there was data that suggested only about one in five kids got their CDC recommended hour of activity every day. Uh, and so will screens maybe become a way to learn? Uh, will they uh, maybe become a way to become a professional athlete? Um, you know, exercise, movement is still important. And I think that there is also a lot of data and research out there about the advantages that come with kids who play team sports. Uh, in terms of lifetime income, colleges that they go to, long-term health benefits, reduction of obesity, and and those aren't going to go away. And so I think that the you know the question is going to be how do we find a balance where inevitably out of the pandemic, screen time is going to go up for all of us. Uh, but how do we balance that with? I I believe that my kids should be should be active. I hope he wants to be active. And how do I get him out there playing with other kids and having that experience? And I I, I want to just jump in on that. We think that that there is huge pent-up energy to get back outside and play and huge pent-up energy to put the screens down and to go play sports and go have fun. And we want to be there for moms and dads. Wherever, wherever the return to play happens, we're launching February 9th because we want to be there for soccer as soccer returns in the spring for the spring season wherever the doors open up again and the fields are open. And we also know that there'll be a big soccer season in the fall when there's been more vaccines, when there's when the pandemic has been gotten more under control. So we're we're going into this knowing that that there's been a huge challenge from the pandemic, but we also know that there's going to be this enormous return to play. We want families to be able to get back out there with Mojo and have a great experience and a great time. And I'll leave you with this, Ben, and I want to lean back on your experience because obviously you were connected to ESPN, worldwide leader in sports as well. And we are in a different time. You know, and if I think back to my childhood, I played a lot of sports. I also watched, obviously, a lot of sports and got interested in sports. That way, we are in a very different time. Um, The future of big sports seems to be hinged on finding a way to keep 
kids connected to sports um, because there are a lot of options out there. And I know that both of you know that there's been a different level of engagement with sports and this we're in a different time. You know, they're not entitled to the attention that they used to receive from mine and your generation. seems like we are at a time right now where big sports better be thinking about how they're going to engage with the youth of this country. We have a lot of humility, Bram, about this. We, we were at a space uh, as, as storytellers with a lot of experience selling stories and as technologists with a lot of experience building products. And we have humility about what we can do, but we, we know that there is a problem that you've identified, which is that if kids stop playing sports, if kids don't fall in love when they're four and five and 10 and 12, they're less likely to be fans for life they're less likely to watch the sports. They're less likely to buy the tickets. They're less likely to get the merch. And most of all, they're less likely to have the habits that come from sports as kids. Remember, if you play sports as a kid, you're more likely to get better grades. You're more likely to get better scores. You're more likely to go to higher education. You're less likely to smoke cigarettes and do drugs, you're more likely to get a good job, you're more likely to earn higher wages, you're more likely to be a leader in business. Those are all the things that are direct benefit from sport, not to mention the effect that they have on the sports industry and ecosystem. So everybody's got a big stake in trying to figure out how to make youth sports work, how to get kids back outside to play and how everybody can have a better experience. But at the the most emotional, personal level, when you think, Bram, about your playing sports as a kid, and invariably sports memories come back to how you feel about your mom and dad and remembering them on the sidelines or remembering them coaching or remembering them encouraging you. And I think that, that if anything I learned at Disney, it's about that magical time when the kids are young, moms and dads want to be better parents. They want to be more involved. They want to make connections with their kids that last a lifetime. That's really why we call our business mojo. We want to put the magic back into youth sports want to be able to give everybody more of those magical memories for a lifetime. And we think that with technology and storytelling, we can really help. That's why we're here. And the app will be launching uh, this month here. And hopefully soon, pandemic will come to a close and we can all go and be outside once again. Uh, That's Ben Sherwood, CEO, and Reed Schaffner, the COO of the new sports app, Mojo. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you, Bram. Thank you very much. Thank you, Bram. On the next Future Sport Podcast, how light can change the way we move. So we are able to do kinematic measurements, motions, as well as force measurements um, without all in a garment rather than requiring external equipment. So hopefully we can start providing models that can help athletes play at high performance for uh, longer times without injury. That's Rob Shepard, part of the co-founding team at Organic Robotics to discuss how they intend to help teams and athletes modernize movement. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com.